The last. I've had a lot of last lately. I keep texting all my like students. I'm like, this is the last weekend at youth. This is the last party. This is the last time I teach at main service. Like, and so it's been good, but there's a lot of transition happening for sure. And so even as I get up here and I'm preaching and teaching you guys and uh, hopefully engaging in an amazing conversation that takes us all closer to God, uh, it is a little, I just need to warn you, I'm a little, emo- I'm an emotional person in general. Enneagram lovers, I'm a four, so I'm full of emotion. Um, but I'm trying to be like, okay, I need to dial it back. I need to hold it together. So if there's a lot of crying, I apologize beforehand. So um, before I jump in, though, this, so two weeks ago, DJ taught on prayer. Um, and I'm curious what we're going to do today and now is to really dive into different testimonies that you guys have over the last two weeks that you guys felt like you applied prayer in your life and God really spoke to you in that. Um, For me, I was actually going to go into something that's going on in my life, but two days ago, um, something amazing happened. So my daughter, my youngest, my three-year-old who's deaf, uh, prayed for her first time, which is the coolest thing ever. And so I actually have it on video. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm like, this tops anything I did. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, if we can actually show that. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was just a most, I mean, I have no idea other than like mommy, daddy, I think were part of that, but like, I have no idea exactly what she said, but even in that, it's like, it's so beautiful, and obvious. it's my daughter, so I get really emotional about that, and I have a big tie to it, but in reality, like, guys, that's that's what God cares about, like, he just wants you to come to him, and like, it might sound not perfect, and that doesn't matter, like, he wants that. He wants that relationship with you where you can just talk to him or babble to him. And so, guys, I want to open it up to, to any of you guys that have a testimony you'd like to share. We do have someone running the mic, so. Hi, I'm Rosanna Pacheco. Um, Mm, I don't know how old I was. I think I was like 30. I'm not sure. And um, my kidneys failed. I had kidney failure. And I was sick for a really long time, and we didn't know why. And I remember walking to church. We went to church, me and Adam and Gabriel. And um, I just prayed. I said, God, please let them find out what's wrong with me. And anyway, the next day, I went to the doctor, and they said my kidneys had failed completely. And uh, they put me on dialysis. They had to cut off my wedding ring that my husband had just bought me, like a new wedding ring. And uh, anyway, I was on dialysis for about six to nine months. I'm not sure how long, I don't remember. But it was like the worst thing that's ever happened to me, I think. But I came off of it. God, I said, God, what do you want me to do? What's going on? Why is this happening? He said, I'm going to heal you. And he did. No one comes off dialysis without getting a kidney. I wow. did. And, wow, that's amazing. And that's Woo. that's my testimony. And I, that's incredible. Oh, and I said, God, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go around talking to people and telling them, <laughs> you know, what happened? He said, nope, 
I want you to raise those two boys. Wow. I want you to raise Adam and Gabriel the best that you can. And that's, that's amazing. what I strive to do. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. I love that. Anyone else? I just wanted an opportunity to just talk. Yes, no, I love just, that. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I actually, I, when we were talking about prayer and DJ did the message a couple weeks ago, you know, part of the teaching team discussion, we actually had a really good conversation about how so many times we pray for what we need. And so I was just really challenged in this last two weeks to really just take time to say, Father, I just want to connect with you. And what's happened is I've had an amazing two weeks of him giving me just special revelation and I wasn't even asking for it. I just asked him to know I, that I would know him better. And I've been given just some incredible downloads, which has just been absolutely amazing. That's incredible. Is there anyone else? Um, yeah, I, I hope I don't break down here too. But um, <laughs> this, uh, this past week, um, some things just happened um, in our home, and I won't go into a lot of detail, but um, it was probably more stressful than I remember um, in a really, really long time. And, um, you know, I'm working from home most of the time, um, and so I was in the middle of my work day, and the stuff that was going on, uh, it was almost like incapacitating me, you know, like I, how am I supposed to go back and just start working right now? But, um, you know, God had reminded me that morning and then he did then to, you know, here I am, <laughs> yeah. look up and all I could do, I mean, it's, it's what I do. I pray. <laughs> okay. I pray a lot. Um, but I just, I said, you know, God, you have this. I don't. I. I don't even know what to do right now. But um, I just ask His presence and that He would flow through and that He would take care of things. Because um, more than just one thing going on, right? And um, so anyway, you know, I was able to go back to work and that still have things on my mind. But um, and you know, my husband is also praying about some of this and stuff and then that evening you know at least we were able to go to bed and and sleep okay and all that and the next day just things changed and God <laughs> I just want to say thank you God so much because um, it has to do with people you know <laughs> people yeah. in the home and stuff but um huge huge change and um and he keeps reminding me like every day he's always reminding me uh i'm here and rely on me not not you you know that's you're good. not gonna fix it i'm the fixer yeah. so yeah. that's good all right um so actually, for the sake of time, we're gonna we're gonna move forward. So unless someone has something, you guys, you just you were like, I had to raise my hand and share. Anyone? Okay. <laughs>
Dear Lord, uh, I just pray over my hilariously dumb tongue, and sometimes when I talk and things are communicated wrongly, and Lord, I just pray that tonight you use me. Uh, yeah, this isn't about me. This is about you. And Lord, I pray that nothing that I communicate um, is opposite or even slightly off from who you are and your character and your personality and how incredible you are. So God, I just pray over as I speak and go into this, that you are what people see of me, Father, in this, in your name, amen. Okay, so we are talking about loving others. So this topic, uh, obviously, I think there's a lot of people that love the topic of love surrounding in the Bible and different things. I just, uh, I think this topic for me, and like, I think of DJ multiple times in the past few years gets up and he like makes fun of the fact that that's it for me. I'm just like, if it's not love and it's not Jesus, what's the point? <laughs> so like, it kind of works that this is what I'm talking about. Um, so it's one of those funny things where I'm like, I've, I could talk about this for 40 hours straight, I'm pretty sure, and be connecting verses and plugging it in and bringing Ecclesiastes into the mix and talking about Hosea and Gomer, and I could go forever on this topic. And um, because of that, I just want to really try. Hopefully, God can use me to focus in on some points. Um, but all that being said, this is a topic that, guys, I, you can dive into forever, and God's love is so unfathomable that I'm pretty sure you will not end on something. It will endlessly go. Endlessly. Um, so that being said, uh, first I want to talk about what is love. So a lot of people, I think most people that have been to church have heard the different words. So if you go into like the Greek study between agape or phileo love, um, and agape being an unconditional love is how they tend to say this. Or um, yeah, just God's love. So God has this agape love for us. Um, and then phileo love being more, I would say in our English, is probably more like a like or something that like, oh, I like that. Like it's not necessarily, it kind of has more to do with me than like if I was like, ooh, I like that a lot. It's more about me than the agape towards the person or towards something else. And I feel like we've, I, again, heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of messages this explaining the two. Um, and as I went into this, we talked so much in teaching team about these things and the different word studies and breaking these things apart and diving into the Greek. And I really felt like the last few days, even God just being like, hey, listen, like, I just want you to talk about love. And like, when we hear that word, obviously we understand that God's love is, it says in the Bible that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. So much higher is thoughts than our, like, we can't get on his page. Like, God's love is unfathomable. Can we all agree on that? Like, we can't have that. And so that's the kind of love that I want to talk about, though, is a love that goes beyond what this world sees. Um, I sent a text out to most of you guys. Hopefully you got that. And the one thing in that, it was 1 John 4 that I said read and kind of look over. There's been a passage in there that has really kind of just like been hard for me to jump over and tackle. And that is the verse that says that if you don't know God, you can't love. And it's so weird to me because I'm like, man, I know so many people that aren't Christians or like don't seem to know who Jesus is and they still love, they, they're still kind and they still do different things. But I think there's a type of love that we can't even muster. 
And, and I wanted to, like, this is, this is a tough topic because it can be communicated so, like, light and fluffy and, like, oh, love people. But here, here's a perspective. And for me, like, where I get caught in this, um, if you were sexually abused or you were hurt as a kid by someone that you loved, um, there's a lot of things out there that make this topic more difficult than just saying love people. We're talking about, and, and some, some of you in here, like, hopefully, like, hopefully some of you aren't even, like, when you think of loving people, like, it isn't that. You're like, yeah, I need to love those people, and I need to love my enemies. But I know there are people in here who, in, in all logical standpoints, in, in marriages or with kids or with parents, it, it would be so illogical for you to continue to love that person. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, and so I, one of the reasons I actually, I, this is like the th- second or third time I've taught since I've, since I've been here. And one of the reasons is because I, I really struggle throwing blanket statements out to a congregation of people that is so unique, um, so different, so many different perspectives for me to come up here and to teach from my perspective or what I gain. Um, when in reality, if I was sitting at a coffee shop and it was just me and one other person, I would, I'd be engaging with them different. I'd engage with a 10-year-old very different than I would engage with a 40-year-old. I would engage with someone who is sexually or physically or, or verbally abused different than I would engage with someone that's never gone through that stuff. And so I find myself in a place when I'm teaching on love that it is difficult just to throw a blanket statement out there that says, you guys need to love everyone, your enemies. But I think we can all agree that it is a love that goes beyond logic. A love that doesn't make sense is the love that it talks about in 1 John 4 where it says, without knowing God, you can't do that. And that love is the what that I'm talking about. Um, And so to go from there even, to talk about what that love is, um, I even, Matthew 25, I don't have this on the screens, but Matthew 25, 35 through 36 is, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. And this is what Jesus goes into. And, and all, he's talking to people and the people go, well, when were you any of these things and we accomplished that? And he said, when you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. The funny thing about this is these people in this list, hungry, thirsty, stranger, naked, needing clothing, needing a home, needing a place to go, sick. Those are people that don't give you anything back. It says, in this, it says that even to, to love someone that loves you, anyone does it, but it's to love the person and love the people that it's so difficult to do. And so that love. So I'm actually going to ask for 1 Corinthians 13 to be put up and I'm going to read this whole chapter. So guys, buckle up. Um, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith as to move a mountain and have not love, I am nothing. If I gave away all I have and I deliver up my body to be burned and have not love, I gain nothing. And this is the what that I was describing. I think if there's one place in the Bible that talks about what love is, this is 
such a good place. Love is patient. Who's always patient in here? Anyone? Love is kind. Who's always kind in here? Especially to your kids when they're absolutely don't deserve kindness. Uh, love is not envious or, of bo- or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love, or it does not insist on its own way. That's a really tough one. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at the wrongdoing, at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the, per- when, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide or remain. These three but the greatest of these is love. One thing I want to say is when, if you go back to the beginning, and you don't have to tech team, but if you go back to the beginning, um, I actually, I love the NLT version of the Bible. So I think it's a very like, easy to read one, especially for student ministry. It tends to be good. But here's something that the NLT says, and I actually, it hurts, I think, what it's communicating. So the NLT says, Basically, this idea of if you, so I'll start with one. Um, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith as to remove mountains, but I do not love, I am, it is pointless. But in scripture, if you break it apart and you dive into it, it doesn't say and do not love. It says and have not love. So I always thought if I, lo- if I could speak perfectly and flawlessly and I could do all of these things and I could prophesy and I could, it was amazing, but I wasn't loving someone in that, then it's pointless. But if you break down and you dive into it, just go with me for one second. And again, this could be a conversation, but, but what if it's not saying your action has anything to do with it? What if instead it's saying, if you could prophesy, if you could speak, if you had faith that could move mountains and do all of this stuff, but you don't have this object in you that is agape, not an action that you do. What if this isn't, I love this and I want this like literally, like I want this as a tattoo on my arm, the list of what love is. I've always wanted that. But what if it's not about me? What if 1 Corinthians 13 isn't about just a guidebook for how to make me more perfect? What if it's this concept of what you need to be meant for anything is for God to put inside of you an object of love? And what is love? God is love. What if it's not your actions at all? And I think we hate that because we want it to be about us. We want that verse to be something that encourages me to be flawless, to be patient with my daughters when I absolutely can't stand it, to do all of those things. What if this is simply to point to him once again? Okay, so to go from there, and sorry, it's on my phone, so I'm just going to be scrolling through. Jesus, 
Jesus loved us like this, guys. Like, think of this, the un, again, unlogical love. I'm like, man, how am I going to teach all of this in like five seconds? So the unlogical point of love, like Jesus hanging on a cross, guys. This is someone, uh, this is someone who literally loved flawlessly. He never messed up. And he still, all of these Pharisees and Sadducees and people, us, ultimately sinners, which is everyone, hang him on this cross. We're pounding the stakes. He had to do this because of why. He had to do this because it was the only way that he could give us 1 Corinthians 13. He knew what he was doing, but he's hanging there. And and I believe the more fleshly side of Christ, maybe, who just got, so God the Father, who is God, who is Jesus. Like, it's an insane picture of God. It says that when Jesus became our sin, so we could be the righteousness of God, so we could be perfect, it says the Father turned his back on him. And, and Jesus is just like that type of that type of just agony, and he goes, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. Like, that is an illogical love, guys. That doesn't make any sense. That does not make any sense. And so Jesus showed us that type of love. Jesus showed us how to do that. Okay, so to go, that's the what that I'm talking about. Now let's go into why. What is the greatest thing, guys, So this message is uh, prayer. We're going to be going into giving and different things, like amazing things that we can give others or do for others or be a part of a community ultimately that shows and shares who God is. But guys, the greatest thing that we can give someone, I believe, is Jesus. You 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 could own Tesla and you could have that much money and you could give it all away to the poor, but if you have not... Jesus, you have not love, it's pointless. And so this concept, if we could give everything we have, all of our money away, and it's like, wow, I did really good, that's worthless compared to sharing what has been put inside of us. I think, I think, I would say, and again, this is, we, you could debate, you could go over this, this is a fun discussion, but I think this is God's favorite thing. What's the greatest commandment? Jesus says a very smart, a very wise Pharisee goes to Jesus and he goes, well, and he, and he says he was taught well in the law. So he knew he was trying to trap Jesus. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor. Or, and the second is like it. Love the neighbor. At, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two things. So I would say, that even according to Jesus, who we believe is God, I think we can agree on that, he believes and said that is the most important thing, is love. So if that is it, then I'm going to go into this scripture. This is 1 John 4, 11 through 12. This scripture just changed my life probably a year and a half, two years ago. It was just something that blew me away. How many times I've read 1 John 4, love, literally one of my favorite chapters in the, all the Bible, but this just blew my mind. I never really, it never was like, I feel like God never like fully revealed this to me. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us, And his love is brought to full expression in us. What's the greatest thing you can share with someone? 
Jesus. And how do we share Jesus? By explaining the Bible? By diving deep into why Ecclesiastes is such a phenomenal book, which it is. I love Ecclesiastes. How do we show God's full expression of love? By telling God, I love you so much, God. You're the best, and I'm gonna, I, I love you, I love you, I love you. Is that, is that how we love God? What if we stop telling in our minds, and I'm not saying there's, there's nothing wrong with praising God and worshiping God, but what if for one minute, we, instead of telling God how much we love them, realize by telling you how much I loved you, and even more than telling with my tongue, but showing love like this, that's how we love God. We don't have to point, we don't have to just say words, I love you, I love you, I love you. Even think of the, like, the emptiness that it has with a spouse. By ju- not, not you, I will still do it, and I do it every time for tw- 10 years we've hung up the phone. My wife is sitting over there, I'm not pointing at Adam Pacheco, I know it does look like I'm pointing at Adam. But like, if I were to talk, like I say to Christine, every time I hang up, like, I love you, I love you, babe, and I hang up the phone. But in reality, guys, it's about showing that love. That's where it's at. And guys, how we show Jesus' love, I, I, this was three years ago. I don't know if I've ever even talked about this. Dan, three years ago-ish, brought to the teaching team, or to the, to the staff, and said, guys, if Jesus walked into those doors, what would we do? And my response is, Jesus has walked in those doors every time a homeless person has walked in that door. How did we treat him? We don't have to even ask how we treat when Jesus comes in this building. We need to ask how I treat you when you come in this building. Because that's how I treat Jesus. How I treat you and you and you and you and you. That's how we treat Jesus. It doesn't have to be this fictional thing that we have to come up in our mind. If Jesus walked in those doors, are we performing well enough? Or are we doing this? Like, did we love the guy sitting in the back when he came in these doors that I didn't know? Like Jesus would have. That's how we do it. And guys, that's the why. The what is something illogical, something that doesn't make sense. The why is so powerful. If you read any book in the Bible and you walk away feeling like, oh, there was no love in that book, reread it. The why of why we are called to love each other is to show the full expression of God's love. Find something bigger or better than that and to come tell me. Or raise your hand right now if you have something bigger and better than loving each other and showing God's full expression of love to someone. Dare you. (laughs) Guys, that is amazing. So now I want to go into how. So how do we love like this? I said it's illogical. Maybe it's not for some people. Honestly, like, I feel like I know all of you guys pretty well. There's some faces I don't know, some people I don't know that well. But ultimately, like, I would, I would lay my life down. No greater love has a man than one who would lay his life down for his friends or for someone. And at this point, like, I would, I would go to wager, I hope that God in me would allow me to die for any single one of you in here. I really, I really do that. But, but here's the deal. There are people in my life that I don't know if I would do that for. That's honesty. And the problem isn't any of you sitting in here because it says even the sinners, which is anyone who doesn't have faith, right? 
Anything done without faith is sin. So anyone who doesn't have faith, who is hearing from God, is sinning or a sinner. So someone who doesn't have God abiding in them, 1 Corinthians 13. Sorry, this is like the logical code in me coming out. But those are the people that even love you. None, no one in this room has given me any reason not to love you. But there are a lot of people I know, and I'm sure a lot of people that you guys are coming to mind that are far more difficult to love than your kids or the people sitting next to you. Am I right? God is calling us to love those people. And that's hard. Impossible. Sometimes. Again, tr- it, it is, I would say it's impossible. And I think that's like, wait, but what about God? And here's the deal, guys. First John 4 talks about go, like the, the very start of that. The question here is how do we love like that? And 1 John 4 goes into the fact that we cannot love unless God is in us. And more than that, we can't, we can't do this because it's impossible unless we fully understand his love for you. If you understand how much Jesus loves you, this is the DJ, I love the way DJ referred to this. This is, this is the first domino. If you set up all your dominoes, the very first domino to go, what, what is the start of it? It's understanding God's love. If you read 1 John 4, it's all about connection with him. It has nothing to do with what I can muster. If I if I, w- if I was abused and I was broken, if I was cheated on, let's go there. Like, this is, this is very scary. So, like, let's say I'm cheated on. To love through that seems impossible. It seems an impossible feat. More than that, Hosea and Gomer, I mentioned before, Old Testament story. I don't know if you know this story. Hosea, God comes to Hosea and says, go get your wife, Gomer, or go get this woman called Gomer and make her your wife. By the way, she's someone who is living in sin. I'm like, there's children in the room, but she was not a good person. Let's say that. And he goes and gets her and makes her his wife. Then she basically pushes him away and goes back to living in this super dark and deep, disgusting place. And God says, to show my people how I love them, Hosea, go get Gomer. That's impo- that doesn't make sense. That's illogical. And Hosea does it. And it happens multiple times. What if God isn't just saying, Peter, you need to love like that? What if I, what if I could really grab a hold of the fact that God loves me like that? We could get into forgiveness. It talks about forgiveness a lot, how, how important forgiveness is. Again, tell that to someone who, who's 11 years old that bad things have happened in her life. Tell that to that person. Just, oh, just forgive them. You can't say it that way. However, I still believe God can affect that. God is so good, and if we understand his love, I think he can start to... to to get us, repentance is a, sh- a changing of the mind. Repentance is literally, it's, it's changing the way you think. And I think only through understanding how much he loves us can we change the way we think and change the way we love enough to love like Hosea or enough to love like God or again, to forgive like God. If you understand what God has forgiven you of, it's like, why wouldn't you forgive anyone else? Do you understand what God did? It is so beautiful. And I think that's the same context as love. So, the big domino, the first domino, I think the start of this is absolutely, you have to understand 
how much God loves you. And you have to let his love, his agape, reside in you. So that 1 Corinthians 13, so that you can have it. And that every day you can go out and do that and you might mess up. You might fail. I still want, I wish more than anything that I could be perfect love. I wish that I could achieve 1 Corinthians 13. And I hope that like one, I, every day I get better and better and better. But in reality, guys, every time I mess up, it just shows me how much better God is than me, which is probably better than me being all good, is understanding how much better he is than me. Okay, so first down note, now let's talk about some practical things. This is where I want to open it up to you guys talk. I want you guys to engage in this. I want you guys to bring ideas. How do we love the least of these? How do we love the person that's hurt us? How do we love... <laughs> I'm like, I can think of so many things I don't even want to say because I don't want to hurt people, but like, how do we love the unlovable? And so the practical. Does anyone have anything? I, I, I'll say this. This is actually a joke. And I was like, Peter, please, like, you are not the joke guy. Like, don't let the older pastors in the room be the joke guys. And in all honesty, the old, gen the old pastors did bring me this joke. No, but like, I was like, don't do this. But it was this joke, and it was, it was funny, but again, I was like, it's one of those things where I'm just like, huh, that's funny, but I don't actually laugh, so it's like, how funny did I really think it was? But I'm going to share it with you. So the joke was that this person is driving to McDonald's, right, in two cars. This is ASL for, like, driving in two cars, just so you guys know. So they're driving to McDonald's, and the one person flips off the other person. And then they're like, oh, they get in line at the, at the drive-thru, and they finally, they order their food, and the one person that got flipped off gets to the door, and they go, I want to pay. I want to pay for the person behind me who flipped me off. Like, that's what I'm talking about, that kind of love, right? That's amazing, that's beautiful. And then they go to the next window to get their food, and they say, give me both orders. I paid for it, here's a receipt. And they take both orders, and they drive away. That's the joke, guys, that's the joke. I know, it's funny, it's funny. But, like, it's that, it's that idea that, like, we hear that beautiful story all the time. Oh, that person did that, and they, they repaid it with good. And, and I just made it into a funny thing. But in reality, what are practical things that we can do similar to that that show that? Homeless guy walking in the door. Happens a lot around here. Many of you guys have even talked to those people. I'm not trying to condemn you, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Romans. But it's hard. Yeah. Well, I have to start with this um, uh, because I, I went downtown to work once this week and, um, and I was going to the train to wait and I looked over and there was a homeless guy, you know, that was sitting um, just on the curb, whatever, um, you know, smoking a cigarette and I just, I, I have to ask God I, and I do, I stop and I say, Lord, what do you think about him? What do you want to say something to him? Mm. Um, and you know, sometimes God will he'll have me do that. In this instance, he didn't, but um, I prayed for him. You know, I prayed for him in my own way in that. But um, you know, I just look and I I put myself in somebody else's shoes, so to speak. You know, and I was like, what if you know? What if I was living like that right there? And 
ask myself, what, what might they need? What might they want to be said to them or something, you know? And just try to listen to the Lord, what he says. That's good. It's so awesome because that even ties into that first domino too of like, you have to be asking him. Like, maybe it's not a formula. First Corinthians 13, maybe it's not that easy of just like, well, if I achieve these things, I'm good. Maybe you constantly have to be going to him and asking him in this scenario, how do I apply that? That's good. Something I had to learn last year with some difficult students and difficult people to work with was when I change the way I look at things, the things I look at change. Mm. That's good. Not demanding your own way. Um, I think that when you're trying to love somebody that you know has hurt you or that it's just a really hard person to love, for me, I found I have to like pray, Lord, I, I physically can't do it right now. I need you to do it for me. Like, and if that agape love, you know, hopefully is residing in you, yeah. he can do it through you, you know, and just praying. Like, I need you to forgive this person. I need you to love this person through me. And then eventually, will you help me to be able to do it? You know, and it's just like slow baby steps, but praying that he'll just do it through you if you physically can't, you know? So good. There's actually, I'm like, I wish I would have wrote that down. Um, and I didn't even, that is, um, it says, I want to say it's in Luke, but it basically says if you're being mistreated, it's that same passage of like love your enemies and do that. But there's and it says if some if they mistreat you or pray for those who mistreat you, and I thought that was actually huge. And you bringing that up is so amazing and so perfect because I think a lot of times we think loving them has to be again an action that we we like do or perform. But if we understand that even like by praying for them, it doesn't mean you have to trust the person and let the person into the house it, right then. And hopefully God takes you to a point where you can, but ultimately like pray for those who mistreat you. I'm telling you, you kind of, a renewing of your mind. Let God renew your mind so that you, you can even pray for that person. That is so, so practical and so good. I love that. I just remember hearing something really convicting one time. Um, I think it was Bill Johnson that was talking about um, as soon as you say, like, if someone's hurt you or someone has repetitive behaviors that you feel like they just can't break and it's too much for you to handle, um, saying things like they'll never change or they are fill in the blank essentially um, stops in your mind, the ability for God to like ever allow them to grow from that point. So wow, yeah. for me, I just remember think like, I think about that whenever I'm like ready to just like write somebody off or just label them and keep them in that place that essentially then forever in my heart and mind, they'll never change. They'll never be able to be anything different than that. Wow. So I think for me, it's just getting um, into that quiet space and like honestly I've done this with a friend who like really really hurt me um I just literally sat in my closet like physically closet not perfect like a closet like with laundry around me like with the door shut until like I actually could like get some semblance of good like some part of like the way that he felt about her and I didn't leave mm. until then. And then it actually, like, allowed me to see all the good, and it turned, like, my whole, like, heart posture for that person around. That's so, so good. 
I, uh, so even in that, I just think of um, Dan always, sorry, I reference Dan and DJ a lot. They basically are the two guys I hang out with constantly, so I have to. But Dan, um, Dan always says, um, God's favorite. And then last week or two weeks ago, DJ's like, well, I'm God's favorite. What if instead we could just start realizing that that person is God's favorite? Well, how impactful would that be? Like, great, I'm God's favorite. Yeah, no big deal. But like, what if I was like, no, you're God's favorite. And if I saw that, if I prayed for God, you said, for God's view of that person, how much more beautiful. <laughs> like, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I heard. Um, oh, I sorry. I'm so sorry. I jumped the gun. I jumped the gun. Yeah. Hi. <clears throat> this is my first night here, but um, back when I was growing up, um, my dad was a violent alcoholic. And I made a determination that I would never do that, be that, have anything to do with anybody that had alcohol and drug problems. I uh, ended up uh, getting a master's degree in psychology. I've been a uh, professional counselor for over, uh, over 40 years. Wow. So in the late 60s, I mean the late 90s, I got a phone call one day, and this phone, the gal on the other end of the phone said, hey, uh, they need some help over at this treatment center. And I said, what's a treatment center? I mean, you know, after all, I've been a therapist for a long time. And she said, oh, they, they help people that have alcohol and drug problems. And I was just about to say, uh-uh, no way. And the Lord said, take it. I mean, it was just as clear as it could possibly be. And I thought, okay, I'll go, but I don't understand this. So I got over there, and you talk about supernatural love. I mean, he dropped it on me and in me, and mm, I loved those, those people. And one day, um, I started out in administration, then I ended up doing chapel service. And the gal, one of the gals came in, and she said, I'm Nancy and I'm an alcoholic, and I said, well, you know, we don't really do that in here, and I said, I want you to do that again, and I want you to think about how you're feeling. I want you to just focus on what you feel when you say that, and so she did, and I said, now I want you to do this, and I said, I want you to say, I'm, a, I'm Nancy, and I'm a child of God, and a new creation in Christ, and she did, and burst into tears, and the other girls in the room did too. And so we all went around saying, you know, I'm a child wow. of God. And I said, look at the difference that Man. that makes. I ended up after that, I was there for about 14 months. And then I opened homes to people who had um, alcohol and drug problems. And so I had, at one time, I had like four different homes. And I had a men's home, and then I had women's homes, and then I had my home and you know they messed up they got to come and live with me for a while <laughs> so then but the the point of it is uh, it it became the um, redemption of my life mm. it actually became my calling and my destiny so and good. so the lord is positioning me now for some more kinds of things this way and one night he had me go to the computer. I was getting ready to go to bed. He said, no, go to the computer. And I sat down, and I, would, I became a scribe for a while, till 2 in the morning. 
And where it finally stopped, I, I just had to stop because he's, he was having me write a letter to people in a, with addiction issues. And at the very end, he said, tell them they are not going to hell. And it's like, I, I, I know these people and I know what they've done and I know where they're not with you. And, and he said, you tell them. They have heard this over and over and over again. You tell them they're not going to hell, and you tell them I love them. Yeah, so good. So awesome. Man. Oh, it's so good. I love that. Anyone else? Yeah, sorry. I now I almost I forgot you. So I I jumped the gun and then I forgot you. Like please, please, Pete, let me go, man. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I heard someone say it's kind of we are told to love our enemies, but what if our enemy is the person that holds a story that we don't know yet? So if we're a compassionate, curious person, and we offer a safe presence, Ooh. you know, and we know judgment kills. Judgment paralyzes the possibility for love. So if we can be safe and accepting and love and see, you know, if it's an enemy, it's just a person we don't know their story yet. Wow. That's so good. So even the, pr the practical of just asking someone their story to letting God use that. Man. Okay, I, this is real honest, a real honest moment for me. And I think like, um, yeah, I think this is kind of, you spurred this on. Um, I, there is a type of person uh, that I, I literally could not love. Like I tell people, I'd be a pastor by day and Batman by night um, to people that hurt children. That's my thing. Like, like if you hurt children, game over. I'm Batman. I'm going to destroy you. Like that's, it really is, I'm that, there's, I don't know how to change that. Like, I literally don't, and this is, this is insane. I'm like, I told my mom this is the last message I'm giving at Shine, so she's probably watching. But, like, this blew my mind. So I was talking to my parents about this, and they started talking about people that have been in their life. My mom had 10 kids. I'm one of 10, by the way. So my mom, like, definitely someone that it would be very protective of children. Trust me. She is the mama bear of mama bears. But I was talking to her, and she told me of multiple people in her life and in their life that came out of prison for hurting children, which literally makes my blood boil. And they and my mom explained like how they loved them. And I literally was just like, how could you love that? Like, and I preached this message with such passion, but there's always that one topic and it can't escape me. Like I can't, if I could defend the oh, it would be repulsive for me to even defend someone that hurt children. And what you're saying is, like, I just am like, if I was talking to someone and asked their story and that was their story, I would die. That's honesty. I'm sorry. Like, I'm, that's brutal honesty. But, like, for me, this would be an empty, basically empty message if I couldn't, if I wasn't real with you guys and just say, there are people that it would take God literally to punch me in the face for me to love. And I, and those are, those are, that's it. That's the type of person for me. And in reality, everything that I just taught, I still stand by. And I still have to say, God, please, like, you have to, you'd have to pour into me. For me to do, you would have to pour into me. And guys, 
That's why I don't believe this is fake, because I think he could. I think he could give me the words. I think that he could pour that in. Logically, right now, even thinking about it, I'm like, where's my Batman suit? But that's logic. God isn't logical. God asked me to call the people that I would, that are the furthest from loving, and that would be it for me. And that's honesty. And I do, I'm not an, this is not an empty message because I stand by that. It's going to take God and it would take God. But if I ask someone, someone's story, you saying that just literally, I was like, I don't want to ask them their story. That's God, guys. That's the God that like, even like, uh, to, to end, to conclude this, like, and I actually, I want to keep sharing. I'm like, I could go forever. I, there's no timer, by the way. So like, you guys, sorry, guys. No, there's, I'm like, I think I'm good on time. I don't even know. But like, um, I was going to basically end by just talking about how like, guys, we think, I jumped into the study, the study with agape love and phileo love. And, and it's so often said like agape love is this unconditional love. I'm going to be real with you for a second. When I think of unconditional, I think of um, entrapment. I kind of think like, well, God has to love me that way because it's unconditional. So I can do anything I want. And guys, as I dove into the, so there's two words. There's agape and DJ, what's the action? That's the verb, is agape. The, or the noun is agape. The verb is agape, agapeo, agapeo. It's the, it's the action. And the action of the, de- first of all, neither of those in usage or definition in the Greek say unconditional. Do a study in that. I actually just found that out two days ago. I was like, wait a second. Like that's, I'm going to dive into that. So guys, dive into that with me. However, the action, the verb of agapeo, it says with pleasure and delight. And it's this concept that God doesn't just have to love you. God doesn't just have to love me. And I kind of feel like he does it sometimes, which takes as an emotional person, kind of, if I had to love my wife, I have an unconditional love. You could cheat on me, you could hurt me, you could beat me up. Unconditionally, I'm gonna love you. That's emotionalist. That's, for me, I'm like, I just want the passion. I want God to love me, not because he's in prison to love me, but because he wants to. And as I dove into those words, I'm like, he takes pleasure in you. He delights in you. He delights in the person that hurts the children. Like, can't imagine. But like, God loves unlogically like that. And if I could really grab a hold of that, and I understand that, that's the only way I can love like that. That's the start of it, at least. And I think of my children, and I, like, we, like, the way I love them isn't just unconditionally, although I've always thought that way. I've been like, well, I will, like, no matter what you do, no matter what you become, no matter what you say your identity is, no matter what changes, I will always be a home that you can, you can come to your dad. I will always be there. I don't care what you do because in my mind, I'm like, I'm going to agape you. But guess what, guys? I take so much pleasure and delight in my daughters all the time. God does the same with you. I fully believe that. And for you to really be able to love others is when you understand God delights in you. He smiles when my girls are falling asleep or praying for the, like, he smiles upon you. He's happy when he sees you. (laughs) Like, as an emotional person, like, that's what I, like, that's amazing. That's how he feels about you. 
He didn't just choose to die on the cross for you before the foundations of the earth, which means he chose it before he created you. He chose you. That's amazing. But not only did he choose you, he delights in you. He loves you. He gets joy from you. Like, that's amazing. Anyway, so I wanted to, I wanted to end with that. But like, before I even do, is, was there, is there anyone else? Practical ways, things that God just has put on, yeah, Maddie. Hello. Um, it's super simple, but you were talking about your daughters and um, the Lord in this last year has given me this perspective, but if you saw every single person like a child, um, so even adults, you have this, it's just easier to cast judgment or blame or whatever, mm. but to look at every single person as if they were young, you know, like, so I started doing that just practically, um, when I meet people, um, whatever it is, wow. being able to be like, okay, they have a story, but like, we've all grown up and when you go back, because children are super easy to love, they're innocent. There's just, it's been something in my heart about when I actually look at somebody and I see them as, like, <laughs> young. Like, who were they as a child, wow, you know? Yeah. So. That's so good. I love that. Anyone else? Yeah. I took it. <laughs> I'll try to be quick. I, two things that just came to mind as you were talking. One, that um, love always paints a different picture than what we would paint of someone. And it's always looking forward. Like love sees, love is redemptive in nature. Mm. And so when his love dwells in us, like we see the redemption that we hope for in someone before it comes to be. And when we see that, it's like we want to partner with that to make it happen. And so there's a, there's a tenderness that expects that redemption to come and a patience because that redemption is coming. That's good. And, um, and the other thing is, is that every time I think about God's love, agape love, uh, the verse that baffles me most and maybe all of scripture is the one that says that love casts down all fear because human love seems to like breed fear. Yeah. Um, fear of loss, fear of rejection, fear of not being loved in return. Um, but God's love casts out fear. And um, so practically, um, I think that is because it's redemptive. Fear has to do with punishment. But God's love is always building and always um, redeeming uh, what we should be punished for, what, other, what someone else should be punished for. Um, but I think what also like, I'm always challenged by is just the idea that my insecurities are... Ooh, like the opposite of, of agape. And so mm. in a practical way, like when I'm walking around and I'm insecure and I'm thinking about myself and how I'm perceived, like that's actually the, it's the direct opposite of agape. Wow. And so agape love is, is looking at someone else, it's seeing, um, and there's not fear in it because you're going somewhere with the Lord. Oh my gosh, that is so good. Anyone else? Your husband looks like he wants to say something. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I won't put you in the spot. I'm totally joking. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. 
so just two things, Peter, for me, because I've been do this uh, dealing with this a lot lately the past couple of years. Um, the first part she kind of just touched on is don't make it about me. And then the second thing that helps me of the people that are impossible for me to love is I try to look at it as what do I love about them? That's well, so good. That's awesome. Yeah, so um, what Lauren was saying there, just the verse in Ephesians 3 popped in my mind, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded, grounded in this love, that you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. And then here's the point I wanted to make. So, good. so that you may be filled up to the fullness of God. So, <laughs> so being full means you're not in want, you're not needy. And, and from a social perspective, you're not coming to people as a beggar saying, I need something from you and you're not giving it to me so I'm not going to love you. If you are rooted and grounded in his love, then you mm. are full up and you have everything to give. So good. But it, that's got to be the source like you like you shared so many times tonight. Um, wow. But we can't be social beggars and love people with Christ's love. <laughs> you can't do that. That is so good. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. <sighs> well, guys, I do think I, – I truly am like I think it's time to end. I don't know, but um, – so I do want to say one more thing, and that is, obviously, I was vulnerable about my feelings about people that hurt children. I also want to say, if there's anyone out there, again, blanket statements, and I know that was that showed a, a, a not godly thing in me, that I struggle loving those people. And so I want to say, if you are one of those people, God is madly in love with you. I can't imagine, and, but like, he's madly in love with you. And it's beyond what I can fathom, and he loves me beyond I can fathom. And so I just want to tell you, if you're out there, if you're listening to me, that as hard as that is for me, that I don't matter, and it's God that matters. And you are loved by God, deeply loved by God. You are his favorite. Dear Lord, thank you so much for this amazing day. Lord, I pray for everyone in here that they can love like you love, Lord, and when they don't love like you love, that it points them to say, wow, thank God you're God and not me because you are so good and you love us so deeply. And I pray that the rest of this evening that goes on, Lord, that we can just engage in community and conversation with each other and just show your full expression of love to each other. And I pray just as this week goes on that everyone is encouraged to to seek after you and, and to get filled up, as Justin said, to get filled up by you so that when we go out into the world, pictures are painted differently, Lord. That we can be encouraged to ask someone what their story is and, and have you flow through us. Keith Lair said this two weeks ago, as a pipe. And as you pour into the pipe, Lord, that, that what flows out is so good. But Lord, use us as that vessel, Lord. I just pray that everyone in here that's struggling, loving people, Lord, that, that you don't condemn them, and that you don't, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I believe that. Um, for fear has to do with punishment and fear, fear of love. And Lord, I just pray that you just are with everyone right now. Oh, I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, I give him a hand. Yeah, he says that's the last time he's going to speak up here, but I uh. submit not. <laughs> uh.
because <laughs> I love you, and you're God's favorite, Peter. Um, hey, I'm going to, um, uh, there's a scripture from John who, um, just in regards to the favorite thing, is the self-proclaimed, the one Jesus loved. Okay, and so what Peter's saying is absolutely true. We can all say that, uh, but he said, he recorded this from Jesus's prayer, and as we challenge you this week, we want you to do something this week that goes beyond yourself in love, and the hope is that next week, we will have testimonies, and we can share testimonies of maybe what God did in the midst of that. I'm not asking you to do 10 different things. I'm asking you one time this week, ask God to give you something in regards to this message on love. And I want you to listen to um, what Jesus was telling the disciples here in John chapter 16. He says, very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he, who's he? The spirit, the advocate, he will prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. Church is, really has nothing to do with us, like Peter said. It has everything to do with what God is doing. And he has given us an advocate to help us do this. So when Peter and I get up here and ask you to do something this week that goes with that supernatural beyond belief love, what we're simply saying is, will you go to God and ask him what he's asking you to do? And then just step out in courageous obedience to that. And then let's share testimonies next week of what happened when we did that. Okay, this is where it gets real, 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 is you guys have to do this. It's one thing to hear a message, but it's another thing to take that message and apply it to your life. Apply this to your life this week. Amen? Amen.